This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Okay, I'm here with Case Kenny. You're a writer, podcaster, DJ of Zen Disco. Honestly, so much more. When I found you, I was like, oh my gosh, there's another person like me who has 800 jobs. Do you ever feel like you don't know how to describe to people what you do for a living? Uh, certainly. I definitely don't know how to describe it to my parents. And that's yeah. usually a good <laughs> test uh, to see if you can do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a little difficult. I mean, usually I just land on I'm a podcaster and writer because that's the majority of what I do. And yeah. everything else is kind of an extension of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you even have three books now, which obviously falls under the writing category. And I want to get to all of those jobs. But I personally found you on Instagram um, and you do these quotes on these coffee cups, which I've now, now that I started following you, I don't know if it's like the algorithm, they pop up everywhere in my feed from other people reposting them. So yeah. did you ever think that that would take off the way that it did? Uh, not really. No. And yeah, it's funny. A lot of people <laughs> like to, to post them now. Um, I just wanted to find a way like, inspirational quotes on the internet are a dime a dozen. Obviously it's like the, the cliche, right. Yeah. And, um, I, I wanted to find a way to bring my thoughts to life in a way that was a little bit more relatable and like realistic, like not just like a digital quote, but something that like had place and energy in your life. And I was like, what do I do every day that other people also do? I was like, well, I drink a lot of coffee. Other people drink coffee. Why not just start writing them on, uh, coffee cup. So yeah, it kind of just took off from there and I didn't expect it to, um, but it did. And it's pretty cool. And now a lot of people do it. So, you know, kind of introduced the idea, I suppose. I'm pretty sure people did it before me, certainly, but yeah. I kind of got lucky definitely. And it kind of took off. Well, you talk a lot about relationships and mostly the relationship with yourself, which I really appreciate because I think we put so much focus on finding the right person. I know personally in my life, that's been one of the biggest lessons to learn is it's not all about the person. It's about your relationship with yourself. So I kind of just have a ton of questions for you of how did you get to that discovery, first of all? And then second of all, why do you want to share that with everyone else publicly? Yeah, well, I mean, the funny thing is I never set out to do relationship content ever. I still think it's kind of funny that I do it at like I go on, I'll go on like TV or do an interview and I'll be introduced as a relationship expert, which is just the funniest thing in the world to me, to be honest. I'm a dude in his early thirties, uh, not married who, you know, most people would be like, well, marriage is the, the sign that, you know, you found you, you were successful or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's just a funny thing to me. Never set out to do it. I set out to do what I think I do well, which is the practice of mindfulness, how to simplify your emotions, how to increase your self-awareness in life. That's something that I've practiced for a long time. And it's something I have a lot of experience in writing and studying um, there. 
uh, but you know, all roads lead to other areas of life and you got to listen to people. And, you know, I do all this mindfulness content and people, you know, we're always like, well, you know, Casey talks so much about self-awareness and confidence mm-hmm. and self-love. Like I would love your thoughts on how this applies to relationships and ghosting and breakups and all these things. And I was like, all right, you asked for it. Like, this isn't my idea. You asked for it. And then I started doing it. And, and that's when people were like, wow, this is really helpful. And then I took a step back and realized that, you know, there's really no outside of certain industries, you know, finance or, you know, engineering, like what is the qualification to talk about something? Well, I think it's, I think it's the fact that in my life, I have been happily dating and happily single. I'm 33 now um, for quite some time. And if I can share my version of what makes me happy in that sense, then I think it's worth sharing. And I've really doubled down on that. And now I share a lot of content around dating and being single and relationships and everything in between um, because people say it's helpful perspective Um, and not just helpful perspective, but also like relatable perspective. I think my biggest thing is I don't want to be an expert, a coach, a guru. That's just not what I want to do. I just want to be a regular guy sharing his perspective. And I do that. And that angle seems to resonate. Well, I think about the kind of content that I want to listen to. I I appreciate regular everyday people. So I kind of try to embody that myself. Yeah. Do you find that for me, I know this is a huge thing that I love is connecting with people. And so I just find that I'll start talking about something and it's just my experience. Like you said, I'm not an expert. I don't, I didn't go to school to study relationships or trauma or any of the stuff that I enjoy talking about, but I've dealt with that in my own life. And so I find that when I put myself out there vulnerably and someone comes back to me and they share their story and we're sharing experiences, that is one of the most fulfilling and satisfying things in life. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. It's not only fulfilling, like this is my I this is my purpose. This is what I was put on earth to do. But yeah. also it's like I always say like this is my form of therapy. Like I think everyone should go to therapy. I, I 100% support it. I don't but that's because in my life, I have found what I do every single day, the practice of this to be incredibly therapeutic first person view. Um, so every time I sit down and I think critically about these topics and I think mm-hmm. about my own life and I force myself to be vulnerable and then I have conversations with other people, it's just like so therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. So like the whole process is just incredibly rewarding, but also it serves like a larger purpose for myself. Tell me more about what you mean about mindfulness. You mentioned that as the thing you started. You're just a mindful person. And you just just talked about um, you don't go to therapy. You do this whole process by yourself. So is that what you consider mindfulness or what does it mean for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I mindfulness has always been this big word, and now it's kind of the the aha word of of the of that the decade, I suppose. Mindfulness, meditation, things like that, self-love. Like, what does that really mean? Mindfulness for me, um, you know, all it is, is self-awareness. And I think I look back at like my twenties and I had a you know privileged twenties, a great twenties, did a lot, had a lot of fun, but I look back at it and I was like, was I really mindful of why I was doing what I was doing? Like, was I self-aware of the decisions that I was making? Were they my decisions? Were they my goals? Was I living intentionally? Well, probably not in retrospect, like working a job, um, really identified by the job and the relationships that I was in, you know, all great things. But I look back at it and I was like, was I engineering this or was I borrowing someone else's idea of a life well-lived? And I look back and I'm like, well, you know, ultimately, I think I lack the self-awareness to do a practice like that. So the past, you know, call it eight or so years really dived into the, the practice of mindfulness and mindfulness isn't this complicated thing. I used to think it was like, oh, you got to you got to go to the Himalayas and, and study and, and do all this kind of you got to have your crystals and do all this kind of stuff. But all it is is self-awareness. All it is is the practice of radical honesty and whatever way you can derive it from, mm-hmm. whether that's journaling or meditating or simply just, you know, being observant of your intentions. Um, but that, that's all it is for me. And I think that's why it's such an applicable thing in dating. For instance, I think the, the number one issue we get ourselves into in dating is we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. Like we don't have that self-awareness. I mean, you think about how many oh, yeah. other relationship problems are likely derived from some degree of that. So I'm just really passionate about the idea. And then obviously it like, it affects pretty much every area of life. I love that thought process of operating in your life, but not being aware of what you're doing and why, Um, because I think so many of us live that way. And especially if you're busy, right? Like it's like easier just to go about the way we've always done things and just the programming that's in all of us. Um, Something I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, because 
I don't know if this is like an Instagram thing or something I'm noticing because of social media, but I do feel like a lot more men are kind of shifting out of this like programming of men, not having feelings, not being aware, you know, kind of walking blindly through things like the macho guy who's going to hook up with a bunch of girls and is not really going to ever settle down and all of that stuff. And it's shifting to me into this more conscious man, or I'm seeing a lot more of that. Is that something that you feel? Do you feel like that's an intentional thing happening amongst men right now? Do you resonate with that? Talk to me a little bit about that. I, mean, I resonate big time with that. And I think it's absolutely a shift. I, th- I still think there's always going to be hesitancy from men to outwardly share that on social media, for instance, yeah. like my following is 90% women yeah. this is what it is. I have a lot of DMS from men. They just don't share it publicly. So I think there is a nuance there. Certainly. That's interesting. <laughs> um, but I think about my own behavior, excuse me. Like I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be one to share an inspiration. <laughs> I'm the creator of inspirational quotes, but I rarely share other people's inspirational quotes or before I was this creator guy, I never shared it, but I was very vulnerable in the same way. I just wasn't a sharer in that okay. sense. So there, there might be some nuance there with men sharing habits, but I absolutely think <laughs> broad scheme, you know, the, the shift and the evolution of men to be more sensitive and vulnerable. I mean, I look at the, the guys that I surround myself with and very evolved dudes, and I know there's unevolved men as well. And it's, there's still very much something to be said about that. But I think there definitely is an evolution here where uh, caring and being sensitive is, is like cool. Like I'll right. go to dinner with my guys and like, we're just a bunch of bros. Like, honestly, like we are, but like, we'll go and we'll be like, well, honestly, it's a conversation of like, how does that make you feel, man? And it's like, it's super <laughs> refreshing. Um, and I know not everyone is like that. And I've like, I have curated my circle very intentionally in that sense. And I like to surround myself with, you know, high value type mindset driven people. So I know it's not everyone, but I think there's absolutely an evolution here where not only I think social media has made it cooler. I mean, mean, therapy is cool now. Therapy was not cool 20 years ago. So I I think it's, I think it's definitely uh, trending. I was going to say, why do you think that started or how? Because I love it personally. And I think as women, we really gravitate towards that, obviously, because it's okay. It's been okay for us to share our feelings for a long time. So I think the shifting for women is totally different with programming, like letting go of some of the old mindsets of you have to be married by a certain age, all the pressures we feel in dating relationships. But I'm wondering how men are getting to this feeling spot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I haven't really thought about that. I mean, culture, music. I mean, look at Drake. My guy makes sad music. Like, it's cool. It's cool to share your feelings. It's cool to like, to talk about these things. And I think, you know, music is culture is cool. I think social media has given a voice to more people. And the more you hear voices, the more you're like, sharing feelings isn't reserved for only a select few. So I think it's just kind of like a snowball effect where you have like culture kind of grabbing onto things like that. I mean, you look at the the evolution and popularity of things like meditation and yoga mm-hmm. and things that are inherently spiritual. And yeah, I think you've just got a, a general trend in the right direction in a more honest direction. So I don't know. I don't know if I could pinpoint one thing, but I think it's a combination of those things. And And I think, frankly if you like, I think women's tolerance for men who are emotional robots has reached its end as well. So I think there's an evolution out of necessity too. I had to think about it. So that's a really good point. I like that one. Well, you mentioned talking about feelings, which is a bunch of your podcasts. It's called new mindset who dis, and you just get on and you talk about a different topic. I was just listening today, the one about breadcrumbs, which is a great podcast and also a really great topic that I think a lot of us can relate to at least at one point in our lives. So talk to me a little bit about the podcast because you talk very openly about it's not gurus. There's no like experts that you bring on. You're literally just a dude talking about different things that either you've been through or maybe other people around you are going through a lot of it being dating, personal insights and things like that. So let's talk about the podcast. Um, What can people find on this podcast? Yeah, well, it's just that. I mean, it's it's a lot of me. So prepare yourself. <laughs> I don't I don't do guests <laughs> on it. Um, it's just myself talking, but I try to keep it under 20 minutes or just around 20 minutes. And that seems to do the trick because personally, I wouldn't necessarily want to listen to more than that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just that, like I talk about mindsets. I talk a lot about mindsets in dating and mindsets in, in non-dating. Um, and I try to keep it casual. I mean, it, it is really funny and like, I'll, you know, I'll sit down and I spend a lot of time on the podcast. Like I'll write a really thorough outline. I'll, I'll put together all my points. I'll write down examples. So I know exactly the flow and how I want to present an idea to make it simple and clear. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's always funny. I'll, I'll present on a topic that I have experience with or a close friend or something I've observed many, many times. I'll give my thoughts and then I'll, I'll go and do an interview, for example, with someone on their podcast, maybe like a, an actual psychologist or someone who's studied and they'll be like, Case, you know, you were talking about this, that, and the other. Um, and it was really great. What that's actually called is this. It's called an attachment style. Yeah. It's called a whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, I was like, yeah, I knew there was a name for it. I just, I just mm -hmm. don't know. So it's, you know, that's how I approach things. Like, yeah, I, I say I'm not qualified for any of this. I went to I went to school and I studied Chinese, uh, truthfully, uh, studied <laughs> Chinese. And, uh, you know, I have no background in any of this. So, and I kind of like that because it's like a new lens to look at things like I'm not like biased by what's in a textbook, even though it's probably correct. So I just talk about things from that perspective and try to keep it relatable and light. Like I always I try to I think self-development, the industry can sometimes be very heavy. Mm -hmm. Um deservedly so because you, you turn to self-development for healing and trauma and things like that. But I also think it could be light and a celebration of worth rather than a bemoaning of, you know, the lack of other people seeing it. Like my whole thing with the podcast is I want to encourage people to tell themselves uplifting stories. Yeah. I think the reality of life is we have two options. If we're dating and we're frustrated, we could tell ourselves a story that everyone sucks, that no one's serious about dating, blah, blah, blah. That's one story. Or you could tell yourself a story of, oh, that didn't work, but I deserve more. And I'm going to keep that sense of optimism alive. And I just want to encourage people to tell themselves that story because I'm, I'm all in on the power of the words we use and the stories we tell and the sentences we, we stitch together. So every podcast kind of comes back to that idea of like, what's the story you tell yourself, whether it's around dating or confidence or your career or whatever it may be. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. That is so true. I have a friend who um, recently, she's on all the dating apps and she got into a really great relationship. And so all of our friends who are single are like, how did you find this guy? Cause they're striking out on the dating apps and stuff. And she's like, it's because I stopped saying to myself, there's no guys in Nashville. Like I stopped putting that out yes. into the universe. Yeah. And I really just started to believe, no, they're out there. Like they're there, they're here. And I just have to be open. And it's about that energy that you bring to the universe versus the shutdown, terrible stories we're saying in our head.
hundred percent. I mean, there you go. That's proof of that. It's so true. You could call it manifesting if you want, whatever it is, whatever label you want to put on it. Like my whole take on manifesting, for instance, is something very related to mindfulness is like, it's not the idea of you sit down and you envision an available guy in Nashville, or you sit down and you picture that and you, and you picture meeting him. It's not so much of that. It's about telling yourself the story that makes that a possibility. Right. If, if, if in your head you're, you're being, there are no available honest men in Nashville, how do you then expect to reconcile that story with reality? If you want reality to be one thing, but you're telling yourself another thing, I, it's very difficult for those to coincide. But if you tell yourself one thing and it's the same reality you're describing that you want to live, that's how you end up living that reality. And that's manifesting. You tell yourself a story about what you want and what you deserve. Mm-hmm. And then voila, eventually with enough effort and stubbornness, like I'm convinced, you know, you could always find that and make that come true. So I love that further. proof. Yeah. Well, I do think too, it's like, it's about the energy you put out. And I think you draw in what you put out all the time, which is another form of manifesting. But if you're looking for the negative, you're going to find it right. Like that's just always what the wiring is. And so I'm, I'm finally getting there at my late thirties, but (laughs) it's a tough one. Cause I think we all have these experiences that we go, Oh, see, there it is again. Like I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. And if you keep putting that out there, that is what you keep attracting. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, don't think of a yellow car. You think of a yellow car. Like it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult. These things are things that you have to practice and be disciplined about, but you know, it's all a choice. Like of all the things in life you can't control of which there are many and of Mm -hmm. which there are many that are very unfair to people. And some people bear the brunt of it and are, you know, treated unfair in many, many different ways. The one thing you can control is your, the story you tell yourself of what that means. It's the assumption you make. I think I was thinking about this earlier. I think like the quality of your life, literally outside of randomness and outside of the, the, you know, the mistreatment that someone might bestow upon you, the quality of your life comes down to the assumptions you make about yourself and the world around you. Like, mm. are you worthy? Are you not worthy? Are there good men in Nashville? Are there not good men in Nashville? Are you, are you capable of being successful in your career or is everyone else capable? And you're not like those assumptions are everything because those assumptions dictate what's possible. It dictates the energy that you release. And most importantly, it dictates your actions, what you do with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm all in on the stories, the assumptions, like the words that we use. Well, since you mentioned mindfulness earlier and stories, how do you keep yourself out of stories like that? Do you have any practices that you do on the daily or weekly that keep you in the positive mindset? Well, I think the biggest one, and I built a whole business around it is journaling. I think journaling is very powerful because it's one thing to have a thought. I could be walking down the street and have a very empowering thought, but one block later, I'll completely have forgotten it. There's mm-hmm. something very real and visceral, of course, about writing. It's tactile. You write, you look at it, you could put it on a wall. It's visual. Um, so I think there's something to be said about that. And I do that a lot. I journal, I've built many journals and I sell journals. And um, I, I think it's a very powerful experience. Whatever you need to bring something to life in a way that's a little bit more than just thinking about it and remembering it. Um, art is powerful as well. Like, talking about therapy. Like every time I sit down and I write down one of these quotes on a coffee cup and I do it, like that makes it real for me. And that makes it a memory for me. And that makes it a mission statement for me. It's like a tattoo, you know, you don't, you don't forget it. So, you know, I try to balance myself with, you know, hobbies and, and habits like that. Let's talk about the journals a little bit. You have unbothered single is your superpower. And the other one is new mindset who this, just like the podcast mm-hmm. tell the people about these books. Yes. I mean, they're just journals. So unbothered and new mindset are general mindfulness journals, single superpowers journaling specifically for relationships. And I, I mean, I created them because I, a couple of years back, I wanted to be a journaler. I wanted to be the guy who journaled and I went out and I bought two dozen journals, maybe a dozen journals. And they were all great, you know, kudos to the, the people who created them, but they weren't what I needed. Namely, something that was a good mix of prompted and unprompted. I found that most of the journals were, were either way complicated, like write down your intentions in the morning, then come back in 12 and a half hours and write down what you did and then map this with that. I was like, yo, that's this is this is a bit much. And then the other ones were blank page, share your thoughts on life. And I was like, I need something a little bit more in between. Yeah. Guided, unguided, 
fun, light. I used to think that journaling was this process where you sit down and you get real sad and then you write down what makes you sad. And that's not journaling in the same way that mindfulness isn't sitting down and just replaying trauma. It's a celebration of resolve. It's a celebration of the uplifting story that you decide to make. So I wanted to create a journal around that. So I created prompts that are more uplifting, that are more celebrations, that are more, um, you know, catalysts to give you clarity. Uh, and that's it. There's 60 days. Um, takes like 10 minutes a day. So I just, I, I wanted to create something that I would do. That's, you know, it's all about me. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm a little <laughs> selfish, right? Like I, I wanted the journal. So I created a journal and then I sell the journal. So yeah. There you go. Well, I actually got the unbothered journal and I did it today. And what was so interesting for me is I've been in a season of just anxiety, you know, pandemic, business, lots of different things happening in my life. And, um, I won't understand really what's happening. Like, I just will know, like, I can't focus. I can't work. I've been talking about this a lot on my podcast, but just going through the phases of what depression and anxiety can look like. Um, but being so unaware of that. And so then I started doing the journal and it does, it takes like five to 10 minutes. It's really fast, but I won't even identify the stories that are happening in my head until I sit there. And it's, there's one that's like, it makes you circle how you're feeling. And I'm like, Oh shit, I am literally like, all of the negative ones, but it also makes you connect to a positive thought process, which actually really helps me because it's, it's rewiring of my brain in that moment to be like, right, you don't have to stay stuck here. Also here it is. This is why you can't focus on work, but let's get it out of your system. So then I can kind of get back on the cycle of my day. I love that. That's a testimonial. Yeah. yeah I mean, but that's, that's exactly it. Like journaling yeah. or any, any mindfulness is self-awareness of the bad. Yeah. You can't solve the bad unless you're aware of it. You can't evolve past it. But then from there, it's what you do with it. It's the celebration of what that means. And that's exactly it. And I think without something that's tactile, like journaling, you just, you go round and round in circles on the thing that you're obsessing with, which is mm -hmm. likely something negative. But so unless you, I don't want to say force, but unless you incentivize yourself to come up with a redeeming positive human nature, isn't necessarily going to lead you there naturally. So you got to push yourself. Right. And that's why I did that. So I love that. Well, it's like an unconscious fear thing too, right? Like it's like something that you're probably ruminating on that could have happened in the past, but it's actually not usually what's happening to me in the moment, but I'll have that fear triggered. And so it's like, I don't know, I can't focus. I can't focus. And then I like write it down and I'm like, wait, that's not reality. Like that is not happening right now. And so then you can kind of move forward. So yeah, thank you for yeah. that. No, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. The other one, it's called single is your superpower. Do you really believe that? And why? hundred <laughs> percent believe that. <laughs> Tell us more. Tell us more. Well, I mean, I, so again, 33 now in my twenties, serial monogamist, I was in like three serious relationships. So two years, two years, three and a half, four years. And, um, was all about that. That was my life. I, I, you know, had the, this idea that I needed to, have a girlfriend, be married, whatever, something to validate that I was worthy of that love in a sense, uh, yeah. talk, talking about earlier about kind of living without a why and, and direction, um, ages 29 to 33 single and so, so, so happy in that sense. And, you know, I didn't write the book to encourage people to become single. It's not that at all. It's that if you are single, there's something inherently uplifting and so redeeming about it. Basically, that is why I wanted to write off the stigma that being single is this negative mm -hmm. thing by basically doing this exercise that of all the things that you might regret in life, if you were to hop out of your shoes, fast forward 20 years from now and look back, what is something that you would regret? I, I talked to my parents, my grandparents, talked to older generations. No one ever, ever says they regret being single. Never. What you regret is you regret staying in relationships that didn't serve you, staying in toxic relationships, things like that, putting up with things that were beneath you. Absolutely. Being single is not something you're ever going to regret. It's difficult to understand that in the present sometimes when there's pressure and you're frustrated. But, you know, the book was designed to remind you of that fact and then also to help equip you so that you could date more intentionally coming out of, you know, a, a phase of being intentionally single. So this short, super short book kind of exercises and, and chapters and perspective there. Um, but basically everything I talk about in the podcast and mm -hmm. just like an easy kind of journaling form. Yeah. And I think that is such a good point about intentional dating. I don't find that that has been a common, well, it hasn't been a common theme in my life. I think growing up again, I think it was a lot of pressure as a woman 
to feel like you had to do it by a certain age, especially in the South. I mean, that's kind of the thing down yep. here, but, um, but I do find a shift happening and I love the words intentional dating because it also brings it back to what do I actually want out of a relationship? And am I in the place like in a relationship with myself where I can show up fully in a relationship or contribute to the relationship, not be needing something from the other person that I'm not already giving to myself. Yeah. I mean, so that's the whole, the whole idea of the book. Like the entire first couple chapters are focused on why, mm. like if you can't answer the question of why am I dating, then you're operating in the gray and that's never a good place to date. And I think there are good answers and bad answers to the question of why are you dating an answer? Like, well, I don't want to be alone or an answer of, well, that's just what you're supposed to do. Or I want to have a family. I don't, I think those are good, fine answers, of course, but I don't think those are as good of an answer that is intrinsically more selfish. I think we need a more selfish why to date. Uh, uh, you know, the cliche example would be, I want to date. I want to find someone who makes me a better person. I want to find someone who inspires me. I want to find someone who checks my ego. I want to find someone who insert more self-focused effort there versus I just don't want to be alone. It's a very negative place to be operating from or something even as simple as, you know, that's what you're supposed to do, or I want to have a family. Like, I think we need a little bit more consciousness and intention when it comes to why we're dating. And I think a lot of that comes from the time that we spend alone, the time where we realize, you know, what we actually need and kind of um, how that might interplay with, with the relationship. So that's, I just, I very much uh, believe in the, in the power of taking time to realize that versus dating reactively to just like very like biological, you know, ingrained human societal mm-hmm. things like pressure or mm-hmm. age or, uh, you know, an aversion to being alone. Like I get those things, but I think there's, there's power in being very intentional, literally writing it down in the book. I have an exercise. Why are you dating? Like write it down. And I, I think a lot of people would struggle with that, but you take time to do it. It's, it's very empowering. Well, the question, why are you, um, why are you dating? But then also like, why don't you want to be alone? Don't you feel like so many people listening would, or I don't know if this is like something common with your listeners, but do you get a lot of messages about people saying like, how do I counteract this loneliness or how do I, um, yeah, resolve myself to be alone all the time? Like, what does that look like in a day-to-day life? Yeah. I mean, it's so tough because, you know, what I've realized about myself is my quote attachment style is that of dismissive and avoidant. Like Mm. I love being alone. I love it. I'm so self-sufficient. I'm so passionate. Mm. I have, I'm so hobby driven and like, yeah, it's just my thing. And I get that not everyone's like that. So sometimes it's tough for me to give advice from that place. Cause I'm just like, we'll just do it. Like, you know, and that's, and that's not, that's like <laughs> freaking awesome. Right. So it's not that easy. Like, and, and I get that, but I think what you just described is the exercise. It's like, we are human creatures that are wired to be adverse to certain things, namely be alone. But I think if we drill down into why, and we spend that exercise, like you just said, of like, why don't I want to be alone? I think we could really get to the the core of it. And there's different types of loneliness, of course, like there's loneliness without a partner. There's loneliness without friends. There's loneliness when you do have a partner, like the worst kind of loneliness. Right. So I think there's a lot to be said about sitting down and defining that for yourself. Cause it's one thing not to have a partner and to feel like you're missing out. But if we don't check ourselves, all of a sudden, all those emotions become the same one FOMO fear of missing out and loneliness become one glob, but they're really not. If you think about it, being afraid that you're missing out on something is not the same as being like a lonely person. And sometimes we assume that they're the same. And then we go into this headspace of I'm a lonely person. And the more you tell yourself that story, the more it becomes real. So it's all like, it's all interrelated in my mind. It comes down to sitting down and defining those things for yourself in some way. Yeah. I do feel like to our society is so overstimulated that we're the quiet of being alone sometimes, not for a person like you, but like I'm an anxious attachment. (laughs) So like for a person like me, it's like, it takes me a second to adjust, you know, and that it's bad because it can manifest itself in a relationship as codependency if I'm not, you know, being mindful myself. But in single life, it can feel very overwhelming at first. Like I have to adjust into all the time by myself, the quiet, the not just like filling my time with stupid stuff, like, social media or like overstimulation of any kind, really. 
And so I do, I do feel like it's kind of like a wiring that's happening in our culture right now. Like we don't know how to sit still. hundred percent. I mean, that's very accurate commentary, I suppose, on being a, a millennial or being alive yeah. in your twenties and thirties in 2021. It's like, yeah, we are, no one can sit still. I, I, I struggle with sitting still. I have to be listening to music or doing something. I can't just right. sit and be or walk, you know? So Yeah. But I think that's part of self-awareness too. It's yeah. like, why, why do I have, why do I have this habit? Like, is this my habit or did I borrow this from someone else? Mm-hmm. Did I borrow this from culture? It's like, it takes a strong person to check themselves a lot. And, uh, it's not easy. Like I have many bad habits, but I think, you know, realizing them is step one, certainly. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And I also, I feel like when I was just listening to you talk, I was like, it's also about like sitting with an uncomfortable feeling. We're so programmed to be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Get me out, get me out. And it's like, no, it's okay. Like not all feelings are positive all the time. And that's part of your journey of self-discovery in my experience. hundred percent. I mean, it's what we were talking about earlier. If you can't look that thing in the face that you need to evolve past, how do you expect to evolve past it? Right. It's impossible. (laughs) So got to do it. Well, as I said earlier, I was uh, listening to the breadcrumb podcast and you said something, you said, don't be perfect, be whole. And so I really like that one hit me. How do we become whole? Yeah, well, I certainly think that's a a lifelong endeavor. Um, But like, I think a lot about what my goal is in life. I think a lot of people's goals without realizing it is to be perfect in some sense. It's to Mm -hmm. be successful. That's a that's a derivative of being perfect. It's to be loved and to love someone else. It's to be financially independent. It's to be confident. It's all these different things. And I think of course, those are good goals, but I think we need to we need to flip it a little bit to be a little bit more conscious of the inner work, as cliche as that is. And like my whole thing is being a whole is synonymous with the idea of being proud of yourself. Um, I talk a lot about this. Everyone asks me, like, what's your goal in life case? What are you trying to do? And my, and my answer is always the same. I just want to be proud of myself because I think all the good things that you actually want, success, money, relationships will come from accomplishing that goal. If you're proud of yourself, that means you speak vulnerably. It means you're honest, you're open, you're intentional, you're driven, you're hungry, you're stubborn, all these things that I think are good. The good things will follow from that. And I think a sense of wholeness will come from that. Wholeness is derived from self-awareness. It has to be. Wholeness is derived from trial and error. Also has to be. It's derived from observation and perspective and experience all those different things. And I think those are derived just from an eagerness to be proud of yourself Mm. rather than in eagerness to accomplish all those little things, success, 
money, you know, confidence, whatever it may be. So I just like, I just try to simplify things. And to me, in my world, that's a simpler way to look at things. It's like, my goal is to be whole. My goal is to be proud of myself rather than the other ones, because having a goal of like, I want to be happy, for instance, it's a good goal, but it's, it's, it's a slippery slope unless you're a very self-aware person because the moment or the multiple moments where you're not happy, mm-hmm. you start, if you're not careful, you'll tell yourself a story that describes that lack of happiness. And then that becomes your story. That becomes your narrative. So my whole thing is, you know, don't set a goal of, I want to be happy. Set a goal of, I want to be proud of myself and have that be your guiding light. Um, I did an episode the other day on this idea of also on the idea of, you know, don't set a goal of like, I want to be happy, set a goal of, I want to be the kind of person who, and then you fill, fill it with verbs, right? Happiness is an adjective. How do you, how do you quantify an adjective? It's very tough. Verbs though are verbs. You either did it or you didn't do it. So like, like for, for myself, like I say, I don't ever say I want to be successful. I just want, I say, I'm the kind of guy who never, you know, I'm the kind of guy who creates content twice a week. I'm the kind of guy who asks a question when he has a question. I'm the kind of guy who shoots his shot. Those are verbs. And if I'm ever in life, not feeling successful, I have no further to look than that list of verbs. I could be like, man, you know what? I'm not feeling successful. It's because I'm not doing those things. Problem Mm -hmm. solved rather than going to a place of I'm not successful. And that's because I suck and I'm worthless. And that sounds extreme, but that's what we do. That's the story we create. I always joke that I like verbs a lot (laughs) because I think they're powerful. I'm a verb guy, not an adjective guy. Um, and I think a lot of good things come from that kind of reframing. Do you feel like you're living your purpose? hundred percent. Yes. How did you get there? Uh, trial and error 30 years. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, I think sometimes the challenge with purpose is like, we, you know, we, we think about purpose. We think about skills. Okay. You know, you got to be good at something to live a life of purpose around it in some way. It's a, you know, it's a fair statement. A lot of times we, I think we think about skills as very tangible, overt in your face things, great athlete, great with numbers, great speaker, great comedian, funny, great salesman, whatever. I think the reality of life is that not everyone has overt skills. Like not everyone has those in your face, 1% type behaviors or habits. And that's totally fine. I don't think I was given many skills like that at all. But what I've discovered over the years is that my skill is simplifying emotions for myself, for myself. Mm. And what I've realized through creativity, because I've always loved to read and write, is that I can take that skill that I've practiced in my life and share with other people. And that has made it abundantly clear that it helps other people. It's from a skill that I practice and it helps other people. So it has to be my purpose and it is, and I love doing it. So like, that's been my process. And I think it could take a long time to figure out what that is, but I think we need to be open to the fact that it might not be something headline worthy. It might not be something measurable by uh, a, a checklist or some, some kind of verbiage. It might be something a little bit more nuanced or soulful. And I think that'll really set people free, but also it's the lack of pressure. I used to, I put so much pressure on myself in my twenties to, you know, make this amount of money, do this and do that. And I think taking a step back and just taking a deep breath and, you know, being eager and curious, but not having that like chip on my shoulder or that pressure on my shoulder, it it did a lot for me, for me personally. Well, you mentioned writing a couple of times and we've talked about the books, but you got your start with pursuit, the website right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Because one thing I loved is that you had this whole setup. It was a blog setup from what I can understand. And you yeah. totally shifted to like an email blast that goes out with similar content, but that was just like what worked better. And so I love the, the mentality. I talk here a lot about something isn't always failing if it's going to take you to the next thing. And like, we have to be adaptable. We have to learn how to shift. And that's the whole experience. It doesn't mean it was a failure. It just means like, oh no, we're just going in this new direction. So can you talk through that story and how you got to where you got with that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the conclusion about life and business. You have to be willing to pivot. You're not failing, yeah. you're pivoting. That's what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started something called Pursuit in 2014. I just wanted to write online. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> I was like, I want to write online. So I started Pursuit, which was a men's lifestyle blog, mm-hmm. writing about whatever here and there. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, two years into that, I was like, yeah, this isn't really growing. What do I do? I was like, well, email is hot. Like I simplifying the way that people consume information, throw it in their inbox, started sending it as a daily email, the pursuit daily email, then started getting a little bit more intentional about the topic, started writing a little bit about self-development, keeping things light, um, had a bunch of contributors on board writing um, for the email. That grew um, pretty quickly. I had like 200,000 subscribers at some point, but it was, it was a very difficult business to, to, to grow. Um, mm-hmm. Email-based like media companies are, are really tough. Um, so uh, eventually I was like, this isn't the direction that I want to go. Um, and very much summarizing here. I started the podcast instead. Mm-hmm. And then I started simply telling those email subscribers about the podcast. And that's where things really, really, really blew up. Um, I think it was probably because it was more personal. Like the email was an email. Anyone can stand behind words in an email, but the podcast brought personality, social media, those all came about. So um, yeah, I mean, like four years ago, shut down pursuit and just started focusing everything on the podcast, on, on quotes, on, on journaling and everything like that. So it's been a bit of an experience and learning, but I learned so much through that. I learned a lot. Really? Um, and it was, you know, it taught me a lot about writing, taught me a lot about, um, you know, what are people receptive to Mm -hmm. when it comes to this type of content? It's tough. It's very tough to do these things. So I needed, I needed eight years of experience. I needed it. And, uh, I I wish I didn't, I wish I (laughs) wouldn't that be nice. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, it's funny because I'm looking at right over my shoulder is a painting that, during that process as well. I was like, well, maybe I'll turn some quotes into artwork. And I started this whole thing. I sold two, one of which is right there. Um, didn't work at all. So, I mean, like life is all about pivoting and business is all about pivoting. So Mm -hmm. learned a lot over that. I love hearing those stories because I feel like when I have guests on, we're talking about the thing that made them successful, you know? And so it's just like, yeah, but we have to talk about the journey because that's so unfair to anyone listening to just assume that you walked into this and you just started blowing up on the podcast, blowing up on Instagram, things like happened so quickly. Like it just doesn't work like that, or it never has in my experience. And so I love these stories of hearing like the journey, like you learn this there, so then you shift it and you learn that there and then you shift it again. And that's how it happens. I mean, the, it's the cliche quote, but it's like, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. It's so yeah. true. It's like nobody hears about those other 19 years. They don't like anyone who finds me now. They're like, oh, wow, you've got 300,000 followers. You've got a podcast. You all you've got a blue check mark. Wow. (laughs) It was like, well, talk to me eight years ago where and talk to me two years ago where, you know, it's just like, you know, it just takes it takes a long time to figure these things out. And I wouldn't say I'm successful in, in like a strict sense in that way. I'm very proud of myself. I think I have a lot to do when it comes to like quantifiable things, but yeah, it's, it's perspectives, a funny thing, especially online. So it's always good to hear and share these types of stories. Certainly. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we've talked about the podcast, the writing, you also are the DJ of Zen disco. So I have to tell people about this too. What is that? (laughs) Zen disco. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously I'm passionate about mindfulness. I think that's been mm-hmm. rather clear. Um, but I, I also love electronic music, house music, EDM, whatever you want to call it. Any, any genre I always have been, I've always been that kind of tool in, you know, up at the, the, the festival, taking a shirt off, just dancing like an idiot. I just love the music. I've always been attracted to that kind of music. Yeah. And, uh, I'm all about like trying to combine my passions in life. I've always been that guy that if I'm interested in something, I have to try it myself. Like I can never be like, Oh, I like scuba diving is cool. And it's like, no, I've got to go scuba diving. Yeah. Like I, I never am incapable of appreciating something without trying it. And I, for a long time, I wanted to figure out a way to combine my passion for dance music with mindfulness. And I've always dabbled in music, like producing and, and DJing just because I, I love it. Um, but a couple, well, I don't know, like I said, two years ago, I just started doing these things called music and mindfulness mixes where I collaborated with other DJs and basically like a DJ set, like you have a DJ set where a DJ plays music and okay. occasionally the DJ will come in and out being like, oh, this is my next track, blah, blah, blah. Or be sure to catch me in Chicago. I'll be there in a couple of weeks on tour or whatever. I was like, what if I replaced that kind of banter with uplifting messages in between the songs? And then you do really clever transitions where, you know, you bring in a thought and then the next beat lands and it feels really good and progressive. So that's all I do. Zen Disco is a radio show where I combine dance music and mindfulness. And uh, 
it's like, I call it like a dance music guided meditation mm. and that, you know, most meditations are you sit and you clear right. your head and you calm. This is like, no, get amped up, walk around, work out, but you get the added benefit of great music and uplifting thoughts and ideas. Um, so it's just, it's kind of just like a, a fun project of mine, but the response has always been great because it is pretty unique. No one really considers house music and mindfulness in the same sentence um, traditionally. Um, so I just love doing it. I love it. And I've done a bunch of collabs with like big artists and um, you know, everyone likes to get on board. So it's just, it's just fun. It's just what I do for fun. I think that's awesome. Cause I think so many people are uh, really intimidated by meditating too. So if you yeah. can maybe like, this would be a good way to start kind of ease in. And if you know anything about energies, like your feminine energy within you needs to move, you know, it needs to kind of filter things out. And so I love that idea. I'm gonna have to try it. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I've got some big ideas for the coming year of doing some like live events and, and things like that, but you know, there's something to be said about music. I mean, you, you want to think about things that can instantly change your mood. mood? So true. Music. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's very effective. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered most of your things. I love your story because I feel like it's like case in point of you can't be boxed in. Like we can't box ourselves in as people. We can't put this one definition on who we are. We have all these different interests and things that really appeal to us. And we can also just keep doing our journey with other people, like figuring it out as we go. And I just love that about your story. So tell people where they can find you. Yeah. Well, thank you. appreciate that. I, I, I think we had a great chat. I get, I get so amped up talking about these topics, but uh, uh, it's just case.kenny on Instagram. And the, the podcast is called new mindset who dis and then everything we've been talking about journals wise is at new mindset who dis.com. New mindset who dis y'all it's D I S. If you are just making sure y'all hear us, right. I'll put it all in the description <laughs> of this podcast too. So y'all can find the easy links case. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. This was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.